Geekville Radio. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Hello once again, all you geeks and geekists. Seth, a.k.a. Zandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio, coming at you with episode number 330 for those keeping track. We're actually deviating a little away from our usual coverage of The Mandalorian. These past several episodes, we've been reviewing episodes of The Mandalorian every week. But since this past episode ended on such a cliffhanger, I decided that we're just going to forego the obligatory Mandalorian review for this episode, and we'll just do a twofer next week, since those two episodes are right after each other and will serve as the season finale. So if you're waiting to hear what I have to say about the Mandalorian, I am sorry to disappoint, sorry to make you wait, but that'll be handled in the next episode. So what we're going to do in place of a Mandalorian review and news is we're going to do a pair of reviews. We'll take a look at Shazam! Fury of the Gods. And yes, I know that this movie came out several weeks back. I just was never able to see it until recently. Unfortunately, life gets in the way. But we'll do that, and then we will cover the Super Mario Brothers movie, which opened to big numbers this past weekend. So with that, we will jump into Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Now, the first movie was a major hit in theaters a few years back. And as many people can remember, the DC movies really were kind of hit and miss. Some were really darn good. Obviously, everybody loved the Dark Knight trilogy. I know there are people with mixed feelings about Man of Steel. I still enjoyed it. Batman versus Superman. I still enjoyed it, but it obviously underperformed. But there were also movies like the first Suicide Squad, which generally were better received and had a lighter tone. And I think that's what James Gunn is going to try to do for his reboot. We've talked about this off and on over the past several months, that I think he will make the movies much more coherent than they have been, and certain movies will have signature flavor. This is the final film in the DC theatrical films before James Gunn's reboot, I think, is, a, is going to be recognized, because it's no secret that the Flash film will be the in-universe reason for the reboot. And like I said, the first one was a hit. Will, will this one do as well? Judging by the past weeks, it didn't do as well as the first. And maybe it's because people look at it as being kind of a lame duck movie. Everybody who is in the know about the DC movies, the, the comic fans as such, probably already know that the James Gunn reboot is imminent. So maybe they just didn't see this as being important. That's just speculation, but one thing I can definitely say off the bat with this movie is I think if you saw the first one and liked it, you'll probably like this one. The humor was very much the same tone. I do think that Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu look like they're having a blast playing these kind of over-the-top villains. I think I recall hearing that Helen Mirren went on record saying she didn't really understand the movie. But she seemed to be enjoying herself in the role. I'd like to think that she was. 
The main gist of the film was that Calypso, Hesperus, and Anthea, the daughters of Atlas, arrived on Earth to retrieve the staff that the wizard Shazam used to give Shazam his powers, because they believe it was stolen from them. And actually, early on in the movie, we get the explanation as to why the wizard is still around, even though he decomposed into dust in the first film. It's that he was actually taken from the Earth realm and was then... The explanation is simply that he had left the Earth's realm and was now in the God's realm, so to speak. He's being held captive there, and he's forced to recreate the staff. But the comedy is well-placed in the movie. It feels more like an action movie with comedy as opposed to a comedy with action. And my hunch is, given the imminent future of the DCU, that there probably won't be any more Shazam standalone movies. We may get him in an animated show, or maybe he'll appear in a future JLA or just a society film. But I think seeing him in another standalone movie is unlikely, just my hunch. We did hear the hoopla created with the Black Adam movie and getting Henry Cavill into that movie and then hearing that Cavill's not going to be Superman anymore. We may not get another Black Adam movie. So the Shazam versus Black Adam fight apparently isn't going to be happening anytime soon, much like the Superman Black Adam fight that we all wanted to see. And the other big thing, at least as far as there potentially not being any more movies, this is twice now that we got the tease of Mr. Mind, the talking caterpillar, who last appeared in the post-credits sequence of the first film, and he only appears in the post-credits of this one, both times to meet with Dr. Savannah while he's being in held in prison. A lot of people being imprisoned in these movies, but I can't help but think that somebody like James Gunn is going to use Mr. Mind, a talking caterpillar with genius-level intellect, that sounds like something right up James Gunn's alley. I think he would have a lot of fun with a character like that. Now, whether he'll be fighting the Justice League or whether he'll be in other movies that just happen to have Shazam in it, that remains to be seen. But I don't think we've seen the last of Mr. Mind. I also thought it was funny about how they teased a Wonder Woman cameo in the beginning that turned out to have the wizard's face on Wonder Woman's body. I couldn't help but think that that was a nod to the non-Henry Cavill cameo that was in the first film, where we only saw him from the neck down. We only saw Wonder Woman from the neck down until she turned around and had the wizard's face. That was funny, but then they paid it off at the end because we actually did get a Gal Gadot cameo at the end during a climactic fight with Calypso's dragon and all the damage that took place in the third act. But that I couldn't help but notice, I couldn't help but think, when she showed up, I was like, okay, where has she been for the first 95% of this movie? Because you'd think giant trees growing in downtown Pennsylvania, downtown Philadelphia, would make the news and other heroes would hear about it and try to investigate what's going on. But that's probably thinking too hard into a superhero movie. Overall, I'd say I'd give it probably a 
B, maybe a B minus. It was definitely an entertaining movie. I, like I said, if you like the first one, you'll probably like this one. The cameos are funny. The characters are funny. Of course, I must confess that Shazam's not high on my list of favorite superheroes. I've always been more of a Marvel guy, but I'm aware about his powers and him being magic-based and stuff like that because we always get into that conversation when we talk about characters on Superman's power levels, which Shazam, of course, is, and his powers are magic-based. That's what made the fight between Superman and Captain Mar... Oh, I mean Shazam in the classic Kingdom Come book so interesting because that had an adult Billy Batson who didn't think like a kid in his superhero alter ego. And if we do get any more Shazam movies, I mean, it's very possible that this may be the last we see of the Marvel family. I liked how the wizard did tell Billy that him giving the powers to his friends was a sign that he was worthy of being a champion because most people would think to just keep the power for themselves and be selfish. And the fact that Billy was more selfless by giving his friends the powers at the end of the day was a sign of him being a true hero. But I think certainly at least in future movies that have Shazam in it, I don't think we're going to see the other members of the Marvel family. Certainly if he is in the Justice Society, his friends probably aren't either. The focus is going to be on him. But it would be kind of funny to see if there's any side adventures his foster family would go on if Billy is off with the rest of the Justice League or with the Justice Society. I think it'd be kind of funny if we had a a short or maybe an animated film or something like that that depicts the rest of Billy's family goofing off with their powers and trying to fight maybe lesser forms of evil and such. I think that could be entertaining. But we will get The Flash next. Everybody, of course, is waiting for that. I know there's a jokes about how it's a Batman movie that also seems to have the Flash in it rather than the Flash with Michael Keaton's Batman in it at some point. But that is coming before the Blue Beetle movie, which will be coming out in August. And I'm actually pretty excited for both movies. I like The Flash. I think that it's going to be cool to see Michael Keaton as Batman again, even though he is in his 70s. And I think the Blue Beetle movie will be pretty fun, too. They are going with the Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle as opposed to the Ted Cord Blue Beetle, probably because if they just went with a tinkerer rather than it being a device that makes Blue Beetle a superhero, I think they went with that instead of having to be a tinkerer because that might seem a little bit too much like a Iron Man type individual. And really that's how it is with, with Jaime. You know, it's not so much a technology superpower as it is magic. It's, it's a scarab that turns him into the Blue Beetle. But we'll, we'll worry about that when the Blue Beetle movie comes along and any trailers that will be released for that movie. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, We're going to dive into the Super Mario Brothers movie. This is Geekville Radio, and we'll be right back. Attention all Time Lords and ladies. Geekville Radio presents Examining the Doctor, a weekly look at everybody's favorite Time Lord, the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor to favorite and not-so-favorite episodes of Doctor Who. 
from Hartnell to Capaldi, Examine the Doctor provides episode commentaries for classic and current Doctor Who fans alike. Examine the Doctor, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at GeekGoRadio.com. teaser music implied we are talking super mario brothers the highly anticipated feature film return arguably the biggest video game hero of all time is back in movie theaters obviously the 1990s live action film set an incredibly low bar i think people still make jokes about that movie today but this movie i think had high standards to meet because all the advancements that have been made in CGI animation. I know I was not alone in the thought of, wow, imagine if somebody like Pixar could do a Mario Brothers movie because a computer animated style is the perfect way to do a Mario movie. And I'm actually kind of surprised it took this long. You know, in the year of our Lord, 2023, we're almost, actually, I guess we are a third of the way through 2023 now, in the month of April. And this definitely had some hurdles to overcome, and I was very happy with what I saw. I mean, there were things that I expected. I, I expected Chris Pratt to be fine, and he was. I was saying before that I would be flabbergasted if Chris Pratt had never played a Mario game. He seems like the type that would have grown up on video games the same as the rest of us. So I think he knew what he had to do. He had to do more than just be Chris Pratt. And there is moments in there where he's being Chris Pratt, and that's fine. But he knew he was going to have to do the, yeah, it's me, oh, I, and I, I can't do that as well as the actual voice actors can, because... And anybody that knows me knows that I'm a big fan of voice actors, and I'm one of the first to champion. Let's try getting people who either are or can sound like the way the characters were known. And I know there was a petition to get the actual voice actor, Charles Martinet, I believe his name is, is pronounced. I may be getting that wrong. And yeah, yeah, he's been doing Mario for years, but the thing is, do you really want the entire movie to sound like this? And oh, a boy, and every line is and have Mario to sound like this. I, I think that would get annoying to the general audience, so to speak. And I think Chris Pratt did that fine line of acting, you know, and being the character not over the top, but yet still having the mannerisms that you would expect Mario to have. You know, they, they were all there. And the humor's sprinkled all throughout. It's more of a comedy with action, not so much an action comedy. And I mean, there's plenty of sight gags, a lot of Easter eggs for us old school gamers, like the obstacle course that Peach has Mario go through over and over and over again. It's right out of the side-scrolling classic eras of the 8-bit games. Lots of Italian stereotypes. One of Mario's relatives actually looked like the film critic Gene Shalit. 
all stuff that I was expecting. I was not expecting the soundtrack to feature the Beastie Boys or Take On Me or Thunderstruck or Holding Out for a Hero. Those were all pleasant surprises. And a lot of the music from the games is used throughout the movie. We even got a gag of our princesses in another castle, Donkey Kong using barrels, and even the character of Spike, the former boss of Mario, so to speak. If you look at his uniform, it says Wrecking Crew, which is definitely an Easter egg to the OG Nintendo players way back in the days of Rob the Robot, because that was one of the like two games where you could actually play with the robot that came with the NES, was the game Wrecking Crew. I don't know if anybody truly knew how to play that game, especially with the robot, but if you do, drop us a line, show at geekvilleradio.com or seth at geekvilleradio.com. But going through the list of the voice actors, I've been saying from the start that Jack Black was absolute gold as Bowser. He and whoever thought to cast him had the perfect idea because Jack Black, again, in many ways, he is one of us, meaning not just a a geek, but video game geek. I mean, the guy was doing video game commercials when he was a kid, back when he was a child actor. I mean, you see the commercial for the original Pitfall for the 2600. That is a young Jack Black. So I do suspect that this movie is going to be doing gangbuster business. I mean, I know it was by far and away the number one movie over the weekend at the time of this recording. So we're probably going to get more Nintendo movies. We're going to get a Mario one. We got a a tease for Yoshi. We didn't actually get Yoshi, but there was a, a tease for Yoshi to be there. I would be surprised beyond all belief if we don't get a Legend of Zelda movie at some point. If this movie is going to print money, then a Zelda movie is going to print money as well. So I would fully expect to see a Zelda movie within the next few years, at least to get to the drawing board. So I would give this movie a solid A. I mean, there's really nothing to complain about. They hit just about everything you could expect when it comes to Mario. They got the sight gags of the side-scrolling adventures. They put a lot of the music in there. We got a princess in another castle. We got a use for the carts, a lot of Easter eggs for other games, and even some of the humor. It does a lot of humor where it sets up like something dramatic's going to happen, and then something funny happens, like Mario doing a dramatic jump, like he's finally going to make it, and then gets eaten by a piranha plant or something like that. And lines like when the Koopas were reporting to Bowser, they're saying that the heroes are going into their secret entrance. Well, if the bad guys know about a secret entrance, then it's not a secret, then is it? But they don't actually explain that joke on Serene, and that joke is better left unexplained, in my opinion. You know, let the people say, hey, wait a minute, the bad guys know about a secret entrance to a secret hideout, so it's not a secret. And I will say this finally puts to rest the age-old question about the super mushrooms. Because when I was a kid, we would discuss this with my friends as far as does he actually eat the mushroom to become Super Mario? Because that mushroom's awfully big and that would be an awfully big 
mushroom to eat in one sitting. In the classic 8-bit NES Super Mario Brothers, he's eating a mushroom that's his size. I had thought there was a possibility that he has touched the mushroom, and that's how he got his power, similar to the Invincible Star. But the movie clearly shows Mario has to eat the mushroom before he becomes Super Mario. That was another cool little Easter egg, but that may just be me. And it was also a cool little foreshadowing where early on in the movie, they, they established that Mario hates mushrooms, and yet he has to eat these horrible mushrooms in order to get his powers. So if you haven't seen it by now, I would definitely recommend go see it. I'm sure it's going to clean house on home video. Whatever Blu-ray release is probably going to have a bunch of behind-the-scenes extras that I'll want to go through. Whatever streaming service it winds up going with. I think it's universal, so probably means it's going to be on Peacock at, at some point. So you can binge watch WWE and watch the Super Mario Brothers movie as well. So that's going to wrap it up here for this abbreviated version of Geekful Radio, episode 330. We're going to be back next week. We're going to go back to wrap up all things The Mandalorian. We're going to review the last two episodes of season three. But until then, if there's stuff you want to hear us talk about, once again, show at Geekville Radio. If this is the first time you're hearing us, first off, welcome. Hope you like what you hear. This is Geekville Radio. This is our flagship show at geekvilleradio.com. You can find us wherever you find your podcast, the great podcasts, or maybe even some not-so-great podcasts. You can find the show notes for this episode over at geekvilleradio.com slash 330. That's just the numbers, 330. You can give us a review, give us a follow, give us a subscribe. Let us know what we're doing. Let us know if there's anything you'd like to, uh, for us to do better. I say all the time that I value feedback as long as it's genuine. Just say what you really mean. And I'll listen to you, to you, even if you're even if you're negative. I'll listen to negative feedback if it's genuine. We got a lot of other stuff in the works here. Train and I'll be back soon for an episode of Classic Wrestling Memories, as well as a new nostalgia trip coming up shortly. And Mark Short and I will be back shortly with a new episode of Examining the Doctor, where we will be looking at Fury from the Deep, the Animated reconstruction of the lost Patrick Troughton story from the mid-60s. That'll be coming your way at Examining the Doctor. So that's gonna, so I'm going to power down here at the Geekville Radio Studios, and we'll talk to you folks again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the host and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of geekvilleradio.com, a1-wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved.